Em Rossiano and Michael Lucas. Oh my God, I can't wait. It's happening. It's happening. This is Emsolation. The internet lost its collective mind. She is choosing to focus on the one time in history when one of her conspiracy theories actually was correct except yeah. for Trump being elected. What yeah. are you saying is erectile dysfunction? Don't know. I'd get but... on board with that theory. <laughs> You're in Emsolation. Hello, my darlings. Welcome to episode eight of Emsolation. I'm sitting in the kitchen in front of the fire. It's been raining for the last 87 billion days and I think I'm going to lose my mind. I just want to say solidarity to all of you who have small energetic people in Melbourne and can't take them outside and also if you're married to a hero outdoorsy guy that's climbing the walls or girl. Look, on here we have been speaking a lot about the washing and I want to let you know there's been a development. I finally cracked and I loaded up the car with six loads of dirty clothes and took my eldest daughter with me to a laundromat with huge machines. Like this was washing porn, you guys. Like imagine a machine that you could literally put yourself in and wash. And then they had these massive gas-fired dryers. Oh, my God, it was so good. And I got it all done in three hours. It's, it's, it was just, I feel like I really took control back of my life. We folded it all there and then we put each family members into baskets and we brought them home and I'm fully aware that now all the clothing will just sit in the baskets for the next three weeks, but I don't care. It's clean. You know, I now covet an industrial-sized washing machine. I was literally Googling them last night. And I remembered that Beck Judd, you know, she's um, an Instagram influencer, married to Chris Judd. She's like a speech pathologist. She's got her own clothing line. Look her up. She's amazing. She has three washing machines, but she's got four kids, so I get it. But imagine that. Imagine the power in three washing machines. Or maybe she has four. Either way, my jealousy is totally unreasonable. And, God, I'm so old. I've just spent 30 seconds talking about washing. Anyway. How are you? I am feeling a bit weird, actually, and that's what I want to discuss. Look, I've been inundated with messages from you guys about normal people, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, God, it's really ruined your lives. (laughs) I'm so sorry about that. But look, we have heard that restrictions are going to be easing this week. And look, I'll just quickly say the amount of epidemiologists that I've spoken to while being on the project, I don't know about that. All of them mention a second wave hitting hard if we go back too early. But as I've promised, this is a Rona-free zone, so I will push on. The thing is, I could be on my own here, and I often am. I'm having a bit of anxiety over things going back to the way they were because I think I've become accustomed to ISO life, and I'm not sure I want to give it up just yet. Look, there are certain things I want back for sure. The ability to leave the house and do things on my own. I want to see my friends. I want to sit in a cafe and write. I want to hug my parents. But the chronic busyness and the weight of expectations placed upon my shoulders to achieve the perfect wife work-life balance. Oh, did I say wife? Jesus, don't care about being a perfect wife. Can go and eat a bag of dicks. I don't want to go back to that. Because I feel like this time has made us a lot kinder and gentler people, a bit more understanding and patient. I mean, not with our families, obviously. But with an end in sight, I'm weirdly starting to feel nostalgic about lockdown. God, we're complicated, aren't we? Because at my place, I've created a little also universe. Most days I get up and I play with the baby and I have a shower and get dressed. And then I congratulate myself for having a shower and getting dressed. Then I might go for a walk, do a bit of work, think about lunch, play with the baby, hang out with the big girls because they're home. And we sit and eat together as a family way more now than we used to. I like it. 
and I like what's going on inside my house way better than how it was before, which was just all of us on crazy different schedules, constantly dropping off and picking up and planning, planning, planning. Look, I know I've complained, you've complained, that's all right, that's our right. But I just feel like I've finally started to adjust to this huge change that ISO life has put upon us. And I'm not sure I can cope with another massive change. ScoMo said it's time for us all to come out from under the doona because I just want five more minutes. Now, look, I do want to address a lot of you are concerned that this podcast will end once isolation is over. No, never fear. I've decided to keep going because the idea of this show was to give you guys somewhere to escape during lockdown. But I imagine once things start turning over again, you're going to need to emsolate even more. So I'm still going to turn up twice a week to give you that respite. You don't even have to worry about it. I will be there dependable Tuesdays and Thursdays. Now we have a lot to get to. Michael Lucas is about to join me to discuss the new Twilight book. Oh my God, guys, there might be a new Twilight book. (laughs) Our favourite ISO celebs, don't worry, Fergie's in there, Britney's in there. And um, we're also going to do a special sealed section of the pod. Not like the Cosmo sealed section with the dodgy glue and the big dirty wang when you finally pried the pages apart. No, so many of you went away and watched normal people, as I said, and contacted me wanting Michael and I to properly debrief. So we're going to have a separate chat about normal people and I'm going to get podcast Mike to put it right at the end of the pod. So if you want to avoid spoilers, you don't have to worry. You're not going to stumble across it unless you really want to. It'll come after Supercoach Scott. All right, that's it. Time for us to get into it. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Okay, exciting times, guys. I'm going to say this before I even bring in my co-host. Twilight is back. Oh, my God. And to discuss that with me, someone whose excitement will be nowhere near the level of mine, of course, is my best friend, Michael Lucas. Oh, my God, Michael. Edward and Bella, they're back. Uh, I wish I could summon an excited response for you. I, I'm... I'm- I, I would describe my response as a little bit of apprehension. I mean, it's just fear for those in the house with you. <laughs> oh, look, I'll just tell you, I'll just give you the background, right? So Stephanie Meyer, the author, obviously of the trilogy, she recently posted a countdown clock on her website that, yes, I lurk on every now and then just to check in to see if she's feeling like giving me any more of the teen vampire series. And there was a countdown clock <laughs> and it whipped us all into a frenzy. Like Twilight's fans all over the world were just like moist between the legs thinking, my God, could there be more light stalking and watching people sleep, terrifying CGI babies, painful stilted acting from Kristen Stewart. Oh God, I hope so. Cause I just want to say once the book is written and obviously it's turned into a, a movie, if they don't recast Robin Kristen, we're all going to riot and it's not going to be pretty. Michael, <laughs> For those of you, uh, like, you've had a front row seat and before I get more, I'm going to, obviously I'm going to dig down into this, really dig down, let you all know what's going on. But I just feel like you need to set the scene of my Twilight obsession. It's hard. If only words could do it justice. Um, I'll do my best. Uh, I'll I'll just say, if only your obsession with Twilight could be a renewable power source, global warming would be fine. It's been going for decades and she can't blame her teenage daughters because this began when her kids were, you know, toddlers. It, and all I can say is I think you've got a sense of M's obsession with teen romance, literature uh, and movies, and but also M's obsession with uh, celebrities 
hooking up in in scandalous circumstances. So Twilight, in one foul swoop, has managed to combine those two strains of M's obsession and it was, I was once subjected to sitting there watching a Twilight movie where M kept pausing to provide some sort of rolling commentary. She would like pause and go, just so you know, that school, they use two different locations. There's two different schools actually uh, fused together to create one. Anyway, continue watching. It took about four hours to get through the movie. What an honour. obsessed. What an honour for you to get the M. Rossiano director's commentary of Twilight. What an honour. So, look, I mean, and also it really challenged me as a feminist because, like, Marcella watched it and pointed it out very early. This guy's just flat out, like, harassing her. Like, if he didn't look like he looked, there would be AVOs. I'm like, shut up. Don't ruin the fantasy. And yes, but... I saw the countdown <laughs> clock, back to the countdown clock on the author's website, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what it is. And you know, I'm speculating in my mind, what could it be? But then I didn't have to worry because I Googled further and it turns out some very serious Twilight fans dug up the source code for the clock and found that it said stephaniemeyermidnightsun.com. That was the embedded <laughs> code, which obviously means she's going to finally release Midnight Sun. <gasps> <laughs> What is, and I ask this with some fear, what is Midnight Sun? Em? Well, thank you for asking, Michael, I guess. Midnight Sun is Twilight from Edward's perspective because all three oh, books are, are obviously- you're kidding me. From Bella's perspective. Yes, that's right. So we have to relive every single thing again just through the eyes of a hot <laughs> oh vampire male. God. It was meant to come out in 2008, right? But 12 chapters of the book got leaked online and Steph was like, oh, my God, you guys are the worst. I'm so upset. I'm taking a permanent break. And she said, and I quote, because if I wrote this now, I would probably kill all the Cullens. <laughs> oh, did you read said 12 chapters or did you honour what Stephanie? Oh, oh my God. I consumed it. I then, of course, wrote the rest of the book in my mind. I joined fan fiction forums to see what everyone else came up with. So right now, guys, oh, my God, there are 13 hours left on the countdown as we are recording right now on Monday at midday. So, like, as you are listening to this, we may have the information. <laughs> Michael, I need this so badly. This could have be coming at a better time. Some light vampire erotica told through the eyes of Robert Pattinson is just what I need. It's what the world needs. Oh, the logical end of all of this for me is sitting trapped under some sort of house arrest in your lounge room as we play the inevitable movie adaptation, which is going to be the same story again, just told from slightly different camera angles, with you probably taking four times as long to offer your commentary. Correct. I mean, I'll be there, obviously. <laughs> This is why we're best friends. But you also may be forced to do an out loud reading of the book before that happens, playing, watching me play the roles of both Edward and Bella. You can play like maybe the dad role. I don't know. I'll think about it. But I will be playing both the roles when I act it out for you when I finally get my hands on the book. Just <laughs> Are there sex away. scenes in this book? There will be, won't there? Well, I yeah. I can do it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and Rossiano presents a one-woman one performance woman. of- Twilight, Midnight Sun. <laughs> you thought Fleabag was compelling. Wait till you see me give birth to a freaky CGI vampire baby. <laughs> you thought normal people had some intimate sex scenes. Wait till you see him perform a sex scene with herself playing a vampire and a teenage girl. Yes, I can do both things. <laughs> well, so yes. much to live for. Now, speaking of so much to live for, we have been living for 
what a segue. She did broadcasting <laughs> for 15 years. Um, we have been living for certain celebrities in lockdown. Um, some have really come to the forefront of entertainment, of self-delusional behaviour. It's been quite an exciting time, Michael. Oh, it really has. I mean, some have kept it very tight. Your Reese Witherspoons, your Nicole Kidmans, your Beyonce's, they have run a tight ship, but happily the same could not be said for all. And I no. think it's because a combination of much more alcohol swilling around and also I presume like a lot of them don't have the normal assistance there to say, mm, do you want it? Do you really want to post that one? So they're much more unfiltered. It's so And it's been riveting. It has been riveting. Because, you know, the ones who've kept it tight, clearly they run their own social medias anyway. I mean, I'm sure they have a little team, but they're trusted with the password. Whereas I feel like the people that we've really loved, we're relentless, we're we're reluctantly handed over the password by their millennial, probably young Twinkie gay assistant. And Mm. everyone is just watching, just terrified of what's going to happen. Um, so what we thought we'd do today is count down our top five celebs in OSO. Yeah, now, from you... from least crazy to most. Yeah, I mean, crazy, but even the least crazy. crazy is a pretty high bar. <laughs> let's just say crazy. Let's just say behavior that oh, I'm trying loose, to unfiltered, bonkers. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, I realized. I think I forgot to ask for the Twilight music to be played when I was talking about Oh, it. God, it's all right. The ship sailed, Em. Don't Wait, go back. Don't go. God, <laughs> can someone play the Twilight music just right now so I can hear it? Go. <laughs> yes. We can't start this until the countdown to it. Shh, shh. <gasps> twinkly keys coming. Twinkly keys. Get ready. Twinkly keys. Imagine Em coming into scene. Bella. <laughs> yes, Edward. The moment I saw you, I couldn't stop thinking about you. You smell amazing. Thank you, Edward. Oh, God, I'm going to trip over now because I'm hopeless and I need you to save me. I'm going to watch you sleep. I love that about you. Oh, my God. It's lucky there. Okay. Thank you. So. (laughs) (laughs) So expressive. So compelling. That was just a little tidbit, a little little treat of what's to come when I act out midnight. (laughs) Number five on the lift. Look, she's all... She's one of our favourites, let's be real. Oh, and, and I have to say, in terms of sound grabs, it, it, you really need to go and explore the Oprah Winfrey Instagram page for yourself because she's trying to do some delightful, relatable things in her mega mansion, such as changing a duvet cover. <laughs> no good for, you know, it wasn't a great oral uh, extravaganza, but for some reason she just, I don't know, Oprah decided to be hashtag relatable. But it just felt like that was the first time she'd changed a doona cover and I said to you, she hasn't always been rich. Has she never changed a doona cover? Because it sure looked like, she was like, guys, I've discovered these things called doonas and they have to be changed and it is bloody hard. Can I get an amen? And we're all going, yeah, Oprah, we do that once a week, man. It was weird. I think that she had some sort of other blanketing system when she was poor. (laughs) That's the only thing. I can what? think of. Well, duvets, we... I feel like duvets have been really in vogue in the past 15 years, but before that, not so much. Really? But oh, where she been, really yeah. delights yeah. us yeah. is when she starts cooking and starts drinking. And I never thought I'd see a pissed Oprah cooking <laughs> pesto, but thanks to the wonders of Instagram and lockdown, yeah. Yeah. I have. Here it is. Tonight it's Yay! pesto. Yay! Pesto and miso salmon. Come and we wanna go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Good. Oh, the choice of music, Banana Boat. Oh. oh it's perfect. 
I love it. I love her. I love everything about that. Number four, uh, this one you brought to my attention. I hadn't seen. Cardi B is often a gift on Instagram at the best of times when not in an international pandemic, but she hasn't been taking this well. No, she certainly has not. And she's been expressing her frustration in her Insta stories. So they, th- this is, uh, we've done well to get a hold of this because it was only up for 24 hours and then disappeared, <laughs> but the internet never forgets. And I think you need to tell, just just to give the visual, I mean, she's always, uh, you know, a a striking looking person uh, (laughs) online. Yes. And she has, I would say, incredible bright red poison ivy, elaborate hairstyle and nails that are roughly about five inches long. Correct, correct, correct. Fully made up, like made up to a level beyond anything that you would see on Drag Race and she's (laughs) sitting at a table eating a bowl of cereal when we find her in this Insta story. Like, I shouldn't be eating cereal. Like, I should be in a restaurant eating sushi. (laughs) I don't... What I love about it is, as well... She does... You could get sushi. You could get takeaway sushi. You could get a body... What is she doing? I don't know. It was just like, oh, doll. I just love it. We'll just leave it there. I'm not. I'm just not going to say another word because we need to move to Madonna. And look, we need to preface this with saying we are possibly two of the biggest Madge fans in the world. That's a big deal. We're a part of a large group, but we do worship at the altar of Madge. But we've had some scary times during lockdown, Michael. We have. Look, Instagram has been a fascinating development in Madge's career because I think the source of so much of her power is she just truly doesn't give a shit what people say about her or what she and and when it it's incredibly unfiltered on Instagram and she sometimes goes to some really intriguing places. And at the start of the pandemic, she decided to just <laughs> to give a little monologue on on the effects of the pandemic on humanity and she cho- her setting that she chose was this bathtub Be- yes. it looked beautiful Stunning. marble Stunning. bathtub Definitely. and it, there were rose petals floating in the water tea lights everywhere Gold and it looked taps. like it was milk yeah or i think she was in a milk bath like cleopatra absolutely <laughs> The milk of albino baby seals sourced from Narnia, like like the tears of young teenage boys. That bath was full of every potion you can imagine. And, you know, like it was super relatable again, Michael. And then and she gave us the following wisdom. That's the thing about COVID-19. It doesn't care about how rich you are, how famous you are, how funny you are, how smart you are where you live, how old you are. Oh, God, Madge, you're making the point. What amazing stories you can tell. It's the great equalizer. (laughs) And what's terrible about it is what's great about it. What's terrible about it is it's made us all equal in many ways. (laughs) Is that just (laughs) Did she just say, and look, I could be wrong, What's terrible is that it's made me the same as you and I'm not. <laughs> Look, 
you could draw that meaning from. I have to say, uncharacteristically, Madge is like a kind of a in the camp of never apologise. But in this instance, she deleted that. Of course, it had already made so many news sites that it was easy to still get the footage. She deleted it and then her next post was her standing reading a statement about how she was donating a million dollars for a vaccine. <laughs> See, Madonna knows she can admit when she's wrong. Oh, my God, that was amazing. I still, still made me love her more because she is better than us. She's Madonna, bitch. Like, I expected that from her. I wasn't mad about it. When you sent it to me, I was like, yes, and? <laughs> I now, know, sometimes people go on about, like, you know, where yeah. Madge has ended up in her 60s. But frankly, I think oh. if we went back to 10-year-old oh. us and says, you know what, in her 60s, she's going to be in a huge mansion with a mm. lot of African adopted children. She's going to have a mm-hmm. 24-year-old boyfriend and she's going to yep. sit in a milk bath and talk yep. about how the rest of humanity is not the same as her. And I would say that is Yes, that is the that's the happily ever after I want for Madge. I support it. Now, someone who's maybe not having a happily ever after, and I'm a little worried about her, is Britney Spears. I've been following her Instagram very carefully. I also discovered there's a podcast completely dedicated to Britney's Instagram, which is well worth checking out. <laughs> Britney's been doing a lot of working out in ISO, uh, and she the videos are very interesting. She does shift between prayer position and an aggressive pelvic thrust in one of the moves, which is one I'd like to see uh, adopted by all aerobics classes. But there was one video that got me where she just, casually dropped that instead of burning calories she was burning something else hi guys i'm in my gym right now i haven't been in here for like six months because i burnt my gym down unfortunately um i had two candles and yeah one thing led to another and i burned it down so i'm in here and only have two pieces of equipment left and i'm going to show you guys what i do during this time it was said so matter-of-factly, you know. Unfortunately. I had two, <laughs> I had two candles and one thing led to another. Like, I feel like she's missed some middle ground there, but sure. Oh, me too. I mean, as, look, in my family it was always a test of manhood if you could light the fire in the fireplace. And, like, sometimes <laughs> I would try, I'd be using oil, I'd be using matches galore, and I could not get that started. How you could have a couple of tea lights and burn down a gym <laughs> Yeah, there's something yeah. else going on. It was amazing. But also just like, you know, just I haven't been in the gym for six months, not because I've been injured or because I've been away. I burnt it down. Like there was no <laughs> preamble. It was just <laughs> amazing, Brittany. Amazing. I think there must be a lot of people around her going, that's okay, that's okay about all things. And then <laughs> made her feel okay. And so I, the thing that astonishes me was that from, I thought that that was going to be the most incredible celebrity oh Instagram moment of the year. I thought absolutely untoppable. And then virtually 12 hours later you texted me and said there's a new number one and there's you were a right. new, Yeah, there's a new contender. This is worth it. It's a bit longer but it's my favourite royal and I've never been shy about saying this, the former Duchess of York, uh, Sarah Ferguson, Fergie Ferguson, and she has just been my favourite royal for a very long time. She doesn't give – she gives zero f- about royal protocol. She shows up to events. She, remember she turned up to the royal wedding to the last one, Megzi and Harry, just waving, just so happy to be out of the house and amongst <laughs> the other people. Like she didn't give a shit. Double hand wave, fist pumping, greeting the crowd, was most popular. And um, <laughs> Fergie, I do follow her on Instagram and this story popped up and I just, I went through so many emotions with this, but ultimately I love it. Okay, we can have a listen. Now this is Fergie just talking about how these times made her feel and what she wants to help, who she wants to help. I woke up this morning and I said to myself, you know, I would love to just do a wave and I would love to just go to a rainbow and go to the top of the rainbow 
all over the world and find a place where I could just wave, wave to all the children and to children that are ill or children that are hungry or children that are sad or children that are healthy or children that are happy. But just to say to children all over the world, all over the world, just today, just this very second, I, I want to say hello and I want to say we're here. You're not alone. And then she goes on to talk about getting into her rocket ship and running out of petrol and then she gets into a bubble but the bubble pops and then she goes on a unicorn but the unicorn can't cut it and it's just a wonderful magical trip. I've been wondering, I've been thinking of her this past year because, you know, her ex-husband, I mean, oh. how do you deal with that? Mm. I, and I was fascinated by what's she going to feel like when she returns to some sort of public life? What's she going to say? And in my wildest dreams. <laughs> but also, I get it. I get it. I get it if too. all of that had happened, if the man you married to possibly was, you know, assaulting underage girls mm. as part of a pedophile sex ring, I, I too would want to go to the, just to the top of the rainbow. And, and wave. Just wave. I've just had it wave. with you all. I'm getting in my rocket and I'm going to a rainbow and I'm waving at the children. I would think about doing that daily. Oh, my God. Oh, well, well done, ladies. You've been keeping us entertained. Oh, my God. Look, um, Michael, I, I did tell you about this and for those of you uh, wondering what's going to happen, we are going to do a sealed section about normal people. We're going to go now. Michael will go now, but he's not going to really we're going to keep recording and we're going to just really dissect our feelings about it. I'm going to read some messages that I've received from you guys, some abusive messages I've been getting about making you watch normal people. <laughs> but Michael, before... section implies a lot of sexual content. That's what I think of. I think, well, of yeah, like, you think Dolly used to... No, no, I think it was, no, Cleo had the glue and God, what a line of defence between you and the, and the penises in there, that glue. Um, yeah, no, it's kind of like that. But just, just a little closed off bit of the podcast so we don't get you know, angry emails about spoilers. But before we leave this segment and head into Coach Scotty, everyone's asking for a new recommendation and I'm going to recommend Shrill on SBS On Demand because it's a nice little chaser to normal people. It's a nice palate cleanser, don't you think? Mm, yeah, because it, I think fundamentally it, it, it doesn't jab the knife into your heart quite as hard, but it is no. still very truthful. Yeah, it is. It connects with the pain of contemporary yeah. life and love. I think you'll like it. It's like a struggling young journalist who's trying to get ahead in her career and she's very body positive and body proud. She's a larger woman. She's voluptuous. She's got a terrible boyfriend. She's got a, one parent obsessed with dieting, another parent who's sick. She's got a, a, a weird-ass narcissist boss and it's just about her kind of finding herself. It's only two seasons. I think you'll like it. It's kind of in the wheelhouse of Fleabag. So it's got soul, but it's also there's an there's a scene with a pool party that'll just affirm your life. Um, so oh, that's body my... positive pool party, extraordinary! Ah, so one good. of the best so... episodes of TV. It was a bit under the radar, the show, and it shouldn't have been. I, I, I agree. think it deserves more attention. Yeah, so let's give it that. Uh, all right, we'll head off now into Coach Scotty. Michael, thank you, and uh, just hang around. We'll do our sealed section. This is Emsolation. All right, it's time for some life improvement. If you guys have got something you'd like Scotty to help you with, it can be anything, it can be goal setting, it can be, I don't know, whatever you're thinking of. I mean, you've had some, we've had some really great ones so far. You need to email hello at mrussiano.com, just a 30-second voice memo straight from your phone, just like Satcha did. Have a listen. Hi, Scott. It's Satcha from Adelaide. I wondered if you could possibly help me work out what the best thing to do for my partner when he's in a bad mood, when he's cross, when he's upset. 
I always feel like I need to fix it and I don't know how to fix it and I ebb and flow between rushing in and letting go. Help. Oh, my goodness. I felt this one to my core because this is something I have been doing since I was probably about three years old for different people in my life. And one of those people I'd like to welcome now is Coach Scotty. Can I call you Coach Scotty? Sure, sure. That's fine. Do you want me to start calling you that like in everyday life? Just like an um, coach like in American football team college sort of films where the coach has a huge authority over the the athletes, that'd be good. Do you think that'll that'll help us if you have a huge authority over me? I think so, yeah. What do you think the chances are of that happening? Um, minus zero. <laughs> now, when we heard this one, we're going to be very honest because we do try to be transparent. We left it for a couple of weeks because it was a bit raw for us, well, for me. Um, I've always been someone who has not been able to feel at ease unless everyone around me is at ease. And I took other people's moods as my responsibility. And I remember very early in our relationship we were having problems with that and you said to me, you just got to let me have my mood, basically. And that I always forget about that. So before we get into this, I know that you wanted to just give everyone a bit of a disclaimer. Yes, I do. So uh, when we're discussing this stuff, of course, uh, I or you aren't thinking that we can come up with the perfect solution to these people's um, situations. But all we're doing is sharing some ways of thinking about it maybe ways of um, approaching it, perspectives, that sort of stuff. But the key is obviously then going, If you even if you get, get a great insight, the key is then to apply it. And, I mean, that's what that's the work that I do, help, helping people work out exactly what it's going to be for them and then how they put it into action to get the outcomes they're after that are important to them. Um, and this situation is great because it's really, um, like you said, you've got to empower yourself in the situation. It doesn't mean you're taking the blame for the situation or at fault, but you are looking and going, what can I do that could help this situation, irrespective of where it came from? So Satya walks in and she notices her husband's flat. They haven't had a fight. He's just flat for no reason, which happens. And she automatically, I know the feeling, you get a little bit of an adrenaline rush in you. You don't want things to become hard. You don't want everyone else in the family to be brought down by it. You want things to stay smooth. So you immediately go into that kind of fixer, what's wrong headspace. Why does she do that? Um, Probably, I mean, (laughs) why does she do that? Could be a billion different reasons. Okay, so so knowing your intimate knowledge of why I do it, why, why do, what's some of the reasons people do it? Uh, probably because there's something in you being triggered that's important to you that you need to take care of so that you, as soon as you pick up those signs or at least you think you're picking up those signs, um, you go to um, sort of take care of yourself by acting in a certain way towards the other. But see, I would say that it's out of care for the other as well as care for ourselves, rather than it just being, you know, like a selfish reaction. I reckon for Satya, uh, to go back to uh, one thing I noticed was the language. Mm. So what's the best thing that I can do for my partner mm. and then when he's in a bad mood? So there's a, there's a couple of things there, isn't there? There's the for, what am I going to do for them? So that might be a good way to approach it. What can I do for them? But it also might be part of the problem as well, like you're trying to take responsibility for fixing their situation. Well, I think she definitely is. So that, I think that's definitely what's going on. And the other thing is there's also an assessment there that he's in a bad mood. So you're picking up things and he might be, but also it might not be for the reasons you're thinking or it might not be as extensive as you might feel it to be. 
So these, these are the important things to be aware of how you are viewing the situation and also like that bit about what's the best thing to do for my partner, I would be asking in a kind way, why is that your job? So how could she reframe it when she notices what she perceives to be a bad mood? Yeah. So the reframing happens at firstly at the level of yourself. What are, what are you noticing in yourself as a response to what you're observing in your partner? Mm-hmm. All right. That's, this is important because this is like the um, – this is how you can step through it rather than just going automatic reactions and defaults into the same old ways of trying to s- sort out the situation. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, you know, the other language. I always feel like I need to fix it, right? So this, listen to that. I always feel – so that's something about going on for her in her own emotional state – like I need to fix it. So uh, that language is really interesting. Now, that's what I observe. Again, this is my observations of her language. It might not be as significant as it seems to me, but I'd be looking at going, okay, what is, you know, could I be using different words there in my thinking about this whole situation? Now, this is very much the inner stuff, the inner perspective. If you don't um, recognise some of this stuff, then it doesn't matter what you do on the outside, on the surface, on interactions, it it won't ever uh, really get you where you want to be. Just to play devil's advocate though, Scott, just say the husband is in a bad mood mm-hmm. for no reason mm-hmm. and say this is happening a lot. I've had a lot of messages from wives and partners saying I'm really concerned about my partner, um, you know, he's not working, he's a bit flat and a lot of them are taking on that burden of being the person to fix it. Mm. So you've always said and I think it's really interesting that idea of just let them have it. And, and let them have it in a separate space to your bubble. Don't yes. kind of let it in, in, in affect you. Walk around it. Be aware of it. So can you explain a bit more about Satcher's found her husband in a bad mood? He's definitely in a bad mood. She's not perceiving it. She's not putting anything mm-hmm. on him. He is. Yep. What now? What does she do? Well, the first thing I'll be doing is recognising the effect that it had on her mm-hmm. and, and then – but once you can sort of do a scan and go, okay, I'm feeling a bit, maybe I'm feeling a bit triggered by his mood, then at least that gives you a time to stop and pause and go, okay, what's my best way forward from here? So um, that's, that's, that's the first step. Mm-hmm. And then, and then if, you, if you look at her options, you know, I, I rush in. Maybe, you know, when I, I'm torn between rushing in and letting, letting go. So if you're going to rush in, so-called, or move in, then that has to be, I can imagine that has to be done with uh, love and care and unconditional. So it's almost like um, you're helping a toddler who's had, having a tantrum. You do it, but you don't have many expectations that they're going to pay you back. You're doing it out of love and care, not with any um, expectations. And then the letting go, it, the letting go needs to be a calm, clear, mindful choice to just like you said, notice he's having that mood. Okay, notice how I'm feeling. All right, just bide my time, take a breath and then and then work out what I might do. But the letting go can't be the cold shoulder or it can't be um, punishing for them or can't be passive-aggressive stuff either. So it has to be a, a, a well, well-intentioned letting go. Can we go off book right now and I want to ask you, what is it the responsibility of the husband who say the, is in the bad mood or maybe they're in a bad mood a lot lately and if you know that that triggers something in your partner, if you know your partner's very sensitive and an empath and you're in bad moods a lot, isn't there some kind of responsibility to say something or um, 
be mindful that that's going to trigger the person that you love and live with. And yeah, this is something honestly that comes up for Scott and I a lot. I feel the need to rush in and Scott, one of the first things Scott's mum ever said to me was, he has moods. And um, it's not as bad as what she said, but he does. Like every person has moods. Scott's a really sensitive person also. So Scott, I wonder, you know, knowing what we know about you and I, what is there a conversation that Satya could have with her husband to say, hey, when you're in these moods, it really, like, it affects me and it, it makes me anxious and worried and mm. do you know what I mean? Can that mm. conversation happen? Yeah, absolutely. And and you're saying, I understand that you might be experiencing stuff so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to dismiss that but at the same time I need you to know that it has this effect on me so, you know, can we work out a way that we can sort this out? So definitely it's a dual responsibility. I wasn't trying to um, put it all onto Satcha. So she's got to take responsibility for herself and then in her speaking towards her partner, she might also um, speak in a way which allows her husband to take responsibility for himself as well, like just be listening to it without without um, implying that you're going to fix it for them as well. Well, I think that's really good. I think that's good. Do you have anything else you want to add? I mean, I think it's just important, Scotty, to say this is a really weird, unprecedented time, especially for couples. And they're under more pressure in, in ways that they've never experienced before. So, you know, softly, softly and um, less expectations on each other, but also really just flat out, hey, this is how you're making me feel. How can we make it better? Is I think if you can go in with that approach, I think it's going to make things more tolerable, don't you think? Absolutely. And also the other thing in this which you picked up early on when we were chatting about this was that there could be the um, female-male thing happening here so that, you know, there's that social conditioning that often, not always and not at, not at every person's life, but often the female is expected to be available, accessible and the fixer of things. So recognise that potentially social conditioning might be a play in you about when you see your husband, boom, that's my job. And if I don't do that, I'm a bad partner and that's bullshit. Okay, well, thanks, mate. Strong end. Good for you. <laughs> don't forget, if you want to send in to Scotty, hello at mrussiano.com. All right, well, that's it for episode eight of Emsolation. If you're hanging around for the special sealed section with Michael Lucas about normal people, that'll be coming very shortly after this. If you've not watched Normal People, turn off the podcast now and come back at a later date because it's going to be spoilers galore. We'll chat to you on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. It was a bumper edition today. See you later. All right, welcome to the special seal section. Oh, you've dropped some octaves. I've got my <laughs> love god voice on. That's not good. Well, obviously, as we kind of talked about earlier, the seal section for me used to be like steaming those pages open. So, because my auntie used to get Cosmo, and I used to want to see the penises so bad and, and the nipples that of the women, because I wanted to look at women's bodies nude too. That I would try and steam that page, the glue over a kettle. Serious, not even joking. <laughs> this was pre-internet. This is what we had to do to get pornography, guys. Try and oh, bust no. open the glued section of a magazine. Oh, <laughs> love the sealed section. Um, so basically this is for all of you who went away and watched Normal People and a lot of you did and got right to the last episode. So spoiler alert, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking things that you may not want to know. So please turn off the podcast now. I'll give you a second. Okay, those of you who are still here, let's get cracking. First of all, Michael, it's been an exciting development for me personally. Um I just want to announce my engagement to the actor who played <laughs> Connell, Paul Meskell. <laughs> <laughs> 
this was it was the highlight of my day yesterday. I can't even imagine the magnitude of, of what it must have meant for your day, Em. Uh, so, I, I, we, yeah. we should just yeah. explain. People who follow her on Instagram would have seen she was doing quite a bit of posting about the, the said performer, particularly praising his singing skills, oh, the singing. to which she got a response. <laughs> I did. So I, I tagged Paul, who plays Connell, the 24-year-old. You're on a first-name basis. Yeah, Paul, Paul and I are very close. Um, I tagged him in a little little post I did saying to people, don't worry, Connell loves you. He'll never let anything happen to you ever again. And I got a message in my DMs saying Paul.Meskel uh, responded to your story and he, he sent a clap and a cry laugh emoji. But then... <laughs> But then, Michael, I went back through my stories yeah. and I searched and he watched all of my stories. So then I had to watch all of my stories with fresh eyes as though I was him watching my stories and I wanted to kind of see what he would think of me as a person. I think I came across And what like would a, he think? Well, there was me singing with Kate Sobrano. Um, well, like, good. You know, there was me like with the baby. He was quite cute. There was me doing cute filters. Like it was all good. And then I went through my last, say, 10 photos because I thought you probably stalked my Instagram. And there was me dressed in 80s aerobics gear. There was me. Oh, that was a good shot. Yeah, I know. I looked like I looked really young because of all the filters. So, I mean, I feel like obviously (laughs) the wedding will be stunning. We'll do it in Italy, probably at the place they filmed. (laughs) I think that would be fair. Yeah. Thanks. Where there was that incredibly abusive person and he broke up a fight. Let's honour it. So everyone basically, Michael, is – crushed and uplifted at the same time because of normal people. Mm. And especially, like, how did you feel about the ending? I mean, I did pretty much cry through the last four episodes, I would say. Mm. Um, uh, the ending, the weird thing was I, I had read the book and I couldn't remember the ending of the Me book. Too. But I knew that they sort of didn't end up together. And then once I got mm. to the ending of the TV show, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. They sort of just decide to go separate ways. I mean, I was bawling my eyes out and, and it took me about three hours to recover. I, it was a little, it did feel a little, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't slightly unsatisfied that they just sort of had a conversation on the floor and then that was the end of it all. I mean, I was pretty hard invested. I wanted answers and continuation and more detail. <laughs> I know, How did you go? But it was so, I just feel like they didn't fight for it. I just got, I got mad about how easily they let the love of each other's lives slip through their fingers. Like, it's like their whole relationship, they were trying to hold sand in their hands. And I just feel like, Mm -hmm. add some water to that sand, guys, make it solid. It it made me mad that he just said, okay, I'm going to go to New York. And she's like, okay, well, I'm not coming. I mean, are you going to let a man with that jawline go to New York and not accompany him? I don't understand. (laughs) It doesn't feel realistic. And I have to say, like, Here, listen to some of the messages I got. This is from Jay. I'm a blubbering mess. My heart was aching and when I finally was finally content, it abruptly ends and leaves me hollow and empty. I've never felt more single. Thanks for recommending the best worst show I've binged in a long time. (laughs) God, you could be facing legal action. I know. Listen to this one from Kelly. For f**k's sake, Em, normal people, I can't. What? Where? How do I feel? This is all your fault. (laughs) This was my favourite message from Order. I'm literally shook by normal people. I cannot ever move on. Also, should I get an ISO fringe? (laughs) (laughs) Both very understandable reactions. I know. I know. I think the thing, this has touched so many women and, and I have got hundreds of messages and I've been reading through them all and the theme is that deep down the characters were able to kind of portray the things about 
I think I know for me that I usually keep hidden away in relationships, you know, when you're being annoying and needy and you're scared all the time and you want to constantly push them and test them. A lot of that Mm. gets like you you try and hide that through playful, fun ways of testing to see if they love you. But these guys just painfully laid it bare and I think that was what was most triggering for women. Oh, totally. And normally romances set in the teen years and 20-somethings, that, I mean, it's it's pretty idealised and it's mm. really, really rare that you get something that tells the truth in mm. such brutal detail about mm. how you can kind of hate yourself and how that hatred kind of wounds other people that you fall in love with, particularly when you're so young, when no, when everyone's feeling so much and no one knows what they're doing. And I think most people, if they think back on it, can think of times where they caused pretty severe damage to either themselves or someone that they were infatuated with. And this just puts you right there, unflinching. And it doesn't even, there's no B strands, there's no side, real side characters that you follow or anything like that. It's no. just so focused on these mm. two characters and it is like you're kind of living it. Oh, and that scene where she goes home and the brother breaks her nose and he turns <sighs> up and he walks in and he just says, if you ever touch her again, I'll kill you. And he does it in such a, a calm, Connell way. But then he gets back in the car and he says, I love you and I will never let anything like that happen oh. to you again. I know. <laughs> That whole section. And then the Christmas where she, you know, when he's like, is this too much? And she's like, it's kind of lovely. They, It's like they give you what you're craving. I know. And then in the end finally, they take it away from you again. They did. <laughs> they finally give you like a delicious steak meal and you've been surviving on tofu and grapes, you know, the whole time. Just little tiny kernels of love. And then you get a steak meal at that Christmas and then they just like make you throw it up again in the finale. You know what I mean? Then he just like <laughs> hollowed out again and you just vomited everywhere. All your comforts vomited out on the floor. Like it was just. <laughs> I also think that maybe even they underestimated just the potency of those two <sighs> actors together. I mean, you always hope when you're casting a couple that you're going to get people that have amazing chemistry and Gosh. have an amazing connection on screen. And honestly, <laughs> I feel like as the audience, when you're watching it, you're like, going, you two don't even understand how deeply I feel about this and I'm watching you through a TV just fight you assholes fight what is wrong with you I've never t- I mean I'm very happily married as are you obviously no problems whatsoever but you are sitting there screaming at them God, for Christ's sake look at the two of you I've watched those sex scenes four times on repeat you're not gonna get any better it's just not you just want to shake them and say, wake up to yourselves, dickheads. <laughs> oh, God. Well, obviously, you know, we both loved it. And <laughs> just finally, here's another message. I'm just checking my DMs from Jade. Oh, my God, Em, I've just finished Normal People and I need to get in the shower and have a cry. <gasps> oh, I'm sorry, Good place Jade. for it. Good place. <laughs> yeah. Well, shower um, or pantry. <laughs> oh, they're t- oh, both. Or the car. You know how I feel about that. Um, oh, my God. We haven't even talked about the fact that Richard Wilkins has contacted me. That is for another time. If you've seen my stand-up special, you know I talk about Richard Wilkins. Um, <gasps> yeah, there's been contact, but that is a hook for Thursday. Don't worry. We'll talk about it. Oh, what um, a teaser. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed our special sealed section of the Emsolation <laughs> podcast about normal I think people. our actual normal section was a lot. <laughs> more steamy than it. We mentioned penis about 800 times in the well, unsealed section. 
in the second last step, we do see full frontal shot of relaxed peen of Connell, and I appreciated that. I don't even care how creepy that makes me sound. He's 24. Shut up. Okay, thanks, Michael, for that in-depth analysis of our emotions about normal people, and um, let's hope something else comes along for us to be obsessed with. Oh, don't worry. It's Twilight not going to be Twilight. It's not going to be Twilight. God. <laughs> see you oh. later. A Podcast One production.